Get on your excited shoes. Do you have your excited shoes on? Get them on. I'll, I'll wait. It's We got time. Got them on? Okay, today we're going to talk about managing safety in complex organizations from the contractor viewpoint. Get ready. It's a pretty fun podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. Can I say that faster? I don't think so. Is that as fast? Yeah, that's fast. Man, I don't know what this is. I think my excited shoes are making me excited. So how are you today? It is a great day. Let's see. I don't even know when we are. It's late September right now, so we must be we must be talking October. We must be in October right now. And uh, it, it's I'm so happy to get to talk to you because it's fun to talk to you. And I'm so happy to share this podcast with you because I think it's going to be fun. I gave a speech at a, at a big safety meeting that was in Houston for a company called Qantas Services. And it was very interesting. The speech was, we had a great time. Um, they had a speaker around um, uh, suicide and and construction that was perhaps one of the more interesting speeches I've heard. Actually, I'm going to try to get her on because it was really interesting. And I like the fact that we're looking at those mental health issues not necessarily as safety issues, although I would argue there are safety issues, but in the holistic nature of the way we look at how workers um, create work and what workers bring with them. I'm getting off on a little sidetrack. It was a really great presentation. But I'm giving this presentation, and I'm the, I'm the cleanup guy. I'm the afternoon guy on the second day. So I, that's all right. For, I'm a good after-lunch guy, and I understand why I'm after lunch because – Gravity's sucking as hard as it can possibly suck after lunch, and it's the end of two big days. So I'm, you know, people are fatigued and tired, and they've been sitting a long time in those conference room chairs. Fortunately, the conference room was freezing cold, so it was like uh, refrigerating meat. Nobody was aging or rotting, as it were. So I get up and give my presentation, and it was great. And when I'm done, a whole bunch of people leave. Just get up and leave. And uh, so I think, well, um, I don't think that's I don't think I offended him. I might have. I mean, I wasn't trying to. And what had happened is this is right at the beginning of the most recent um, uh, hurricane, the one that unfortunately hit the Carolinas. And, and it's still even as I, I do this podcast for you guys, it's still having some impacts around flooding. And what these guys were were linemen that were going to go in and provide the emergency lineman services. And they told them that they had to stay and listen to me. And then as soon as I'm done, they had to jump on a plane and, and fly to Charlotte. So that was nice. I mean, uh, I'm sort of glad they didn't tell me that beforehand. That would have been a lot of pressure to deliver. But uh, it was a really, really great meeting. And out of it, well, out of it, I got to talk to, to David Fleener and Matt Comfort. And now Matt's the... The, he, he introduced himself, but he's like the senior vice president for safety. And David's like a, a safety manager for one of Qantas companies, uh, business units. And, and they were talking about the fact that they do these high-risk jobs. And they were actually talking about storm response. They do these high-risk jobs. And that they had, um, in the case he was telling me, there were nine times where they could have killed somebody but didn't. And, and I find that super interesting when people talk that way. I, they've got my attention. It probably got your attention even sitting in the car while you're listening to this podcast or jogging or walking the dog or whatever you're doing, right? And what they said that followed that was really important. They said, what we learned is that nine different times we had the proper controls in place. We had the proper work management systems in place. 
we had the proper barriers and safeguards in place that when the failure happened, the failure was not a surprise to us. We were actually ready for it, even though we didn't know it was coming. And when, when the failure happened, it failed as safely as it possibly could. And I said, oh, um, let's not have this conversation anymore. Let's do it on the podcast. Would you guys mind being on the podcast? And they said, yes. Now, I think they listen to the podcast a lot. So they were super nervous because, you know, it's a high-pressure deal, this podcast. This is super. I don't know if you've noticed how professional this is uh, done and how uh, high and mighty we all are when we talk to one another on this podcast. No, I'm kidding. They were great. So before they went out and had a little reception, which was also really fun. This was a fun meeting. Uh, we sat down in the lobby of the hotel we were in and just had a little conversation. And, and we had the conversation around these, these events. They, they're going to tell you the story, but we don't stop at the story. What they're going to talk about is how they're managing really this transition from moving beyond the normal safety, not because of or in place of, but moving beyond that normal safety in order to improve. And it just seemed too valuable to not share with you guys. I mean, plus, you know, we're sitting in a hotel lobby and nobody looks more sexy or more James Bondian than uh, three guys sitting in a lobby passing around a microphone. Everybody that walked by looked at us like um, either we were famous, but then they didn't recognize us or stupid. And that seemed to kind of resonate with them. But either way, it's a, it's a, it's a really great conversation. It's a conversation that I wanted to share with you. And I know Matt and David are super cool with it as well. It's really, it's really that story of what's happening when nothing bad's happening. Because if all the right things are happening when nothing bad's happening, then when something bad happens, those right things are there to really provide altitude, to provide that capacity, that space. Um, David Woods calls it the margin of maneuverability, that, that ability to recover. And this vantage point is a really big shift in thinking. And I want all of us to listen to it. If this one's good enough, play it for your boss. I mean, maybe the introduction is a little too folksy, but we'll live through it as well. So let me not uh, belabor this much longer. Let's move into the podcast because it's completely worth you hearing um, Matt Comfort and David Fleener. And they're going to talk about the journey that they're on and the journey that they're taking their almost 40,000 workers with them as they go. So here we go. So sit back and relax without much further ado. That's French. Here is the podcast conversation. You have a story that I want to hear. So tell it. So um, I'm Matt Comfer. I'm vice president of safety, health, and environmental for uh, Quanta Services. And I'm David Fleener. I'm one of our safety directors that uh, supports our power operations. And which one of the two of you would you consider better looking? Uh, that's me, of course. And the, so which one's smarter? Oh, David's much smarter. Yeah, that's, this worked much out really well. So that's good. So, David, you were telling me a story, which is the reason you guys got roped into being on the podcast. Talk to me about the, the story you were telling about sort of successful failure, because I think that's really an interesting story. Yeah, well, thanks. It, it's ironic, the timing, right? So we have another hurricane kind of knocking on our doors. But a year ago, right about now, we were coming off the tails of two major hurricanes in uh, the United States in Texas and in the southeast. We had about 4,600 employees working the storm event, working to help restore power down there in an area where you had tens of thousands of linemen working. So we had very high concerns about what our exposures were. 
there's an environment where a mistake could happen when you have 10,000 linemen working in a concentrated area. You're pretty much guaranteed you're going to have some mistakes, right? So we thought long and hard about what's our messaging going to be around this, and we really dialed our messaging in specific to what do you have to do to get home, right? So you have to go into the job. We're going to give you all these things we want you to do to try to prevent the bad thing from happening, but these are the things you have to think about, right? You have to think that that line is going to be energized on you at any moment. And if you have that type of attitude that this thing, I don't care what I'm looking at to tell me this is de-energized, the work methods I'm going to use are as if it's energized. So what that look like in practice? So when we go to a device, right, when we go to do work, we have a sectional line that we want to repair. We want to make sure that it's isolated from the energy source. So we'll go, we'll open up a fuse. We're going to, there's a line that goes from the fuse up to the conductor. We're going to open that so we have clear visibility. Um, we're going to put... Uh, flags on the poles, we're going to put flags on our grounds, we're going to do all these things to make it kind of scream that, hey, there's people working downstream from here. When I go out to the work, even though this is de-energized, in my mind, I'm wearing my gloves, I'm wearing my sleeves, I'm doing things like testing for potential, I'm doing all the things I would normally do when I go to do energized work. And I'm in the mindset, that way somebody comes along and closes that device in on me, I'm protected because I'm doing all the things that I would do like it was energized any other day. So, how do you... So, let me think of this question. So, you've clearly changed the calculation from asking them not to screw up to sort of managing the controls when they do screw up. How's that working? Well, yeah, I'd, I'll just add, you know, we have 38,000 employees, and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have accounting mistakes. We're going to have management mistakes. We're going to have safety person mistakes. And we're going to make mistakes putting pipe in the ground and putting conductor in the air. We got to understand that, and we got to understand that others are going to make mistakes that are going to affect us as well. And we got to have barriers in when that mistake happens. And it's you know you say this a lot in your podcast, but we got to have that capacity for failure so we fail safe. And it's really been a mindset, a, a change in mindset for our company. And we're just getting into the safety differently thing and trying to get that mindset out there that. It's failing safely, and as David's saying, you know, we have some great examples here. How are the ops guys taking this message? Because you're you're having to sell this message upward for sure, and probably downward as well, all the way. And it's I'll say it's interesting. I mean, we get some pushback. Uh, you know, I've, I've used your line before. It just says we, we were wrong for a lot of years, and people don't like that too much. Um, you know, we made a lot of progress over the, those years, and we drove down frequency rates. But we still have significant events because we don't build capacity for failure in. The things that kill us, we're not really good at putting those barriers in. We're talking a lot about the things that hurt us, you know, putting gloves on, talking about soft tissues, but putting those barriers and multiple barriers in to those significant events. That's what we got to work on. And it's a tough message. And we've had a culture uh, in construction that says zero for the last. 30 years maybe, and everybody says zero. And and I get zero harm or zero injuries, but not zero incidents. We're going to have things happen, and we've got to build that capacity. So what is success? I mean, what is success? Have you had to redefine success? <laughs> we talk about that all the time, right? We have, client, we have success defined for us by a lot of folks that we work with. But that's pretty normal. I mean, I think that's why you guys are so interesting for the podcast is that there's always a client that you work for. I mean, and and, and the client has has a clear goal, often negotiated and contractual, of what success looks like. How do you justify differences there? So I might turn around on you for a little bit, right? So let me give you a scenario, and we're interested to hear your thoughts on it. 
So we pull tens of thousands of miles of wire a year. We have a variety of reasons why it's in our best interest to never drop that wire. First and foremost, a safety perspective. We don't want anybody exposed to the energies that are created when we lose control of a conductor. Quality, productivity, financial. I mean, we lose our shirts every time that happens, right? Don't want to happen. We invest a tremendous amount when we build our plans. We go to the bow tie model, right? The prevention side and the control side. Go to that bow tie model. We, we invest a tremendous amount of effort inspecting our material, building a rigging plan, doing math and calculations. We're doing everything we can to never drop conductor. But we're pulling tens of thousands of miles of wire a year. Are we going to drop conductor? We never want to do it, but realistically, it's probably going to happen a couple of times. So we also have to have a plan that says when we drop conductor, these are the things that we're going to have in place so that nobody's exposed to that energy that's created when that happens, right? So we also have all these other lists of protocols. So let's go back to that scenario where I have all those controls in place. I have all the preventative stuff in place. Something was missed, human error, mechanical failure. The, we lose control of the rope. It fit, drops. Not one employee exposure. We had traffic controlled properly. The public wasn't exposed. We didn't lose an energized circuit because we had pr protective barriers. Nothing happens, right? Is that a success or did we fail because we've dropped wire? So that's a really good question. And to me, the, the answer to that question is, is how much did you talk about failing successfully before you dropped the wire with the client? Because to me, that seems like a conversation we could have in the negotiation process or early on in the game that maybe builds, sets the stage, sort of builds the foundation for that. Yeah, I think we're getting there. I mean, some of our clients are getting there, but the industry is moving that way, but we're not there yet. You know, this particular time when we dropped wire, I remember calling our senior management team and talking about it. The first thing I said was, we failed safely. And there was this long pause on the phone. And then I started getting into explaining what I'm talking about. But it's taking those opportunities to get the message out there. And then talking to our clients, you know, talking to those the boots on the ground or safety managers, safety directors that are actually out there at the scene and talking to those people and saying, our controls worked. Now, we got to get better, and we don't ever want to drop wire again but our controls work we're going to look at this as a success so do you guys ask this question what's happening when nothing bad's happening i mean how much time do you spend looking at successful work to sort of test and understand and verify the presence of these controls not enough okay that's a cheesy answer it's true but it's cheesy well so how do we how do we change that you know, and we're new into this, right? So we're just beginning this journey into this whole new view of safety and, and different outlook on things. And I think one of the stories I told you earlier was the learnings that we had coming out of last year's hurricane seasons, right? So we didn't even know. I hadn't even read your book yet. We're, you know, that's how brand new we were into it, right? So it wasn't until after the fact that I was able to connect the dots that we failed nine times last storm. We had nine failures where the energy was there to potentially take somebody's life. But nine times the failure occurred and we walked away. And we're starting to advertise that now, right? When we had these near misses reported into us, we know that two times somebody closed a switch in, on a circuit that our crews were working, right? The prevention methods failed. We know that five times we were assigned to a line that we were told was de-energized, but because we're doing the right thing, testing for potential, we found out it was energized. And we had another two where we have... Um, they're called PVDs. Mm -hmm. they're, so somebody could walk around if they miss that there's a conductor in the area. Ideally, it alerts them that there's something energized. We had that alert on people two times. And communicating those types of things, I think, are absolutely pivotal. pivotal because some of these controls, I think, are things that a lot of people are maybe new to having to do all the time. And what a motivator then to be able to share that, hey, you know, you may, not, you may be able to convince yourself 
that this may not ever happen to me, but we're going to put it right in front of you that it happens to other people. And every time it happens, we've got to put it right back into people. So it reinforces, man, these controls work. Maybe I should be doing them too. You know? Do you send out lessons learned? I mean, do you, do you learn from these kind of successful failures? Yes, absolutely. Every time we learn about them, uh, they get reported in. Uh, we scrub the information and get it back out as quick as possible, especially during storm. And we really try to turn those around because we're dealing with those hazards every hour, every day, every week. And it's continuous, so it's keeping that heightened awareness around that energy. The energy's there, and it's going to be released. How do you get those out during a storm response? Do you have, like, radio station, TV? I mean, <laughs> So we've done a few different things. We've done a couple video messages. Uh, that's more in uh, kind of pep talking more. Mm-hmm. Lesson learned have really been uh, email, daily briefings, get it out to the safety team. So we really coordinate with the local field safety managers that are doing the briefings in the morning, covering with the supervisors, making sure they're getting the message of the field. We did something a little different last year, too, was we had a, some people call it a stand-up, but nothing bad had happened, right? We'd been working successfully for a few weeks on these things. Nothing bad had happened. But what we asked was we wanted management to go out and see every single crew. I don't want to have a stand-down where we were in the job, in a parking lot, trying to shout over stuff. and yeah. let, We went and talked to every crew and said, hey, stop what you're doing, right? Let's talk. You guys are doing awesome, man. Here's all the great things that we're seeing. Here about how much we, here's how much we appreciate the fact that you're working out here in this sweltering weather. But let's talk about some of the wins we've had and sharing those messages in a personal basis versus trying to give a document out there. We got huge feedback from people on that because we had management out in the middle of a storm saying, hey, stop what you're doing. Let's just have a conversation. We're not going to rip on you. You're doing nothing wrong. Let's just talk about the things that you're doing well and reinforce why you need to keep doing them. I think that's really important. Mark Yeston says in one of the podcasts he did a while ago that in order for a manager to have the ability to be there when the crew fails, they have to have been there when the crew succeeded. That, that you can't only go out in the bad times, you got to go out in the good times. So what's the future hold for you guys? What are you thinking about all, all this? I mean, what's, what's, what's it going to look like in six months or a year or, or next week in this storm response? Uh, it's going to be exciting. Um, man, we've really got to focus on this high potential injuries and where, or high potential um, events and how to eliminate them, getting out in front of the crews, talking to them about thinking about it differently, talking about layers of prevention, layers or barriers to that release of energy. What it looks like, we're driving to elimination of significant events. You know, and it, you know, I told you earlier, we we're talking about a two-pronged approach, and we're not giving up on all. I call it safety 101 or blocking yeah, right. and tackling or right, whatever. Right, right, yeah. We're still looking at frequency, and we're going to have initiatives around hand injuries and back injuries, and that stuff's not going away. But we're raising the level up on these significant events, and we're attacking them. Uh, you know, it's my goal, it's our goal, that we're going to eliminate them from our company. How are you doing investigations around near misses to high pot to significant events? Are you, are you looking at them differently? Are you doing? Are you identifying controls present, controls absent? I mean, it seems to me like the other side of the bow tie chart is more valuable on high potential events than the prevention side. Because let's assume you're always trying to prevent high potential events. I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, we are looking at them different. I'll tell you, our safety team's looking at them differently now. You know, as David said, we're just getting into this process. So we're educating on what that looks like differently. And, you know, you talk a lot about learning teams. It's, we're real interested in getting that in place. I mean, we just haven't matured to that level yet. 
Um, we're asking those questions of each other now and of the safety directors out in the field, and we're starting to socialize those terms and get a better understanding of where we're going. And we're sitting here today in a conference that was focused on our vision for 19 that was all about this stuff. So um, really excited for 19 and where we're taking it. Are you doing much after-action learning? Are you going out and asking crews that are really successful why they're successful? You know, we haven't really done that yet, but that's something that we definitely want to start doing. And actually, you know, we're going to be going to the Carolinas here probably in the next day or so, and that's something we'll be taking a tool we'll be definitely taking with us. But one of the important messages, I think, initially, since we're so new in it and we're not really have this grand plan that says, hey, we're at implementation phase one, we're really building the implementation phases. We want to get the thinking out there and the thinking different today is, and this goes back to the messaging around storms. We've, our folks have traditionally worked with this, if it could happen to me, right, mindset. And we need them to change that to, when I build my plans where I'm going to do the job, it will happen to me. And if I go to the job every single day and I think about it will happen to me, I'm forced, I'm like compelled to put controls in place to keep it, to keep me protected from it. That shouldn't be too much of a reach for you guys because for the most part, people who do the work you guys do, like people that work with high voltage, that kind of stuff, they pretty much assume, um, I shouldn't say this, this is a, I know this is a bold statement I'm about to say, but the, the shift from if to when is easier for them. If, if that makes sense. I, I don't know whether it is or not, Todd. Uh, you know, we have many barriers. I mean, I remember recently I was on a job in uh, one of the major cities in the backyard, and it was an energized job, and we had very well-qualified people there. But we had three layers of barriers between the employee and that electric energy that were supposed to be there that weren't there. And I brought the crew down and talked to them. I had a conversation, and journeyman lineman, extremely knowledgeable, well-trained. This was not due to a lack of knowledge. It was due to we know what we're doing. We've done this a million times. It's not going to happen to me. And you know what? It's not going to happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. It's eventually going to happen. So it's getting that mindset of it will happen to me eventually. So it's really changing the culture of that thinking of that person how will you get away from that risk normalization that risk homeostasis that's not really hard enough to crack yeah i'll take the first step at that i mean it's really bringing the energy into the morning jha job briefing jtsa whatever it is that you call it you know our job briefings are awesome we've been doing them for 20 years and i'm a huge proponent and you know i give a speech about job briefings of getting it from your head to your heart because this is the last chance we get to save a life. We've done all the training. We've done all the tailboards. We've done all that basic safety stuff. We're getting ready to put a, a wrench on a bolt, or we're getting ready to climb a pole, or we're getting ready to get in an excavation. How am I going to tell my buddy, my brother, my coworker how he's not going to die? Our job briefings have gotten so long now where we're trying to cover so many things, and we're talking about bee stings, and there's a mosquito over here, and uh, that you know that bar you're going to pick up is heavy, and that's all great stuff. And I'm not saying we don't talk about it, but it's watering down our communication, our thoughts around the high potential energy and how we're going to not die today, right? So we really got to get that and change their mindset, and I really think it's going to resonate. You know, it'll be interesting if we do this in a year from now. Kind of a check-in to see where we are. I don't know. Is that a date? Do we have a date? We're setting a date, I yeah, think. Yeah, Well, and that, that's the thing that I always think about is that for high-risk workers, 
it's it's really starting when certain, right? And so the the for you guys those layers of defenses that exist between the worker and the hazard, there really is sort of a minimum standard, and and they really can start if you verify these four things are present, then the work can begin, right? Is that going to be difficult? Is that going to be hard to to get that out there? It's different. It's different. I, I don't know. I, I think I think it resonates with people. I think it's not a watered down message. Hey, those guys understand there's bees over there, and they understand that they got to talk about it. But when that's all we focus on, they kind of look at us a little weird too, and say, "Well, you're not a lineman. You don't even realize that you know there's 138,000 volts above your head." Well, I do realize that, and we, you know, we've just migrated or drifted into this briefing process and hazard recognition process. So it's everything under the face of the sun that could happen to me from the time I leave the hotel till I get back to the hotel at night and really focusing in on high energy at the task I'm doing and the barriers in place. And I, I think you're right. You, you talk about these four or five things that if I don't have this, I'm not starting work. And I, you know, it's something we're going to use. Well, because a bee still might bite you or you might still sprain your ankle. But when this fails, that, that thing that David's talking about, that when it happens. And, and it's interesting, right? So I've, I've had this discussion with a couple of our crews. So in the past year, we've implemented some new work expectations around how we use our tools to ground, right? And I'm out in, at a job site and typical, right? Somebody's talking about this new rule. Everybody's upset about it. And they say, well, Quanta, <laughs> Quanta told us we have to do it. And I just have to be the Quanta guy standing there. So, I, hey, well, let's talk about this, right? <clears throat> and we'd never communicated it properly. We just said, here's a new rule. Do it, right? <clears throat> But when I stepped in, I started talking to him and said, hey, we're not trying to treat you like morons, man, right? The problem is, though, that it's so easy to make a mistake. If we allow you to continue to pick and choose when you're going to do this, right, the mistake you make is fatal. So do we continue down this path? That just And it's so easy to make. We know we can look back in the history of our industry at the serious incidents that have occurred with this particular work practice. We know good people have made mistakes. There's no one that didn't assess the situation and say, you know what, I'm safe to do this, and then immediately regret it afterwards, right? They're just wrong. We want to take that wrong out of the equation. We don't want you to be wrong. We just want you to do the right thing every time, and you don't have to worry about being right or wrong. It's easier. And you know what? They still regret, resented what we were asking them to do, but the, they were all deflated. They were looking at us, and they were like, you know what? What you're saying makes a lot of sense. I can respect what you're saying, right? It's a total different, and it's all about communication. Hey, do it because we say, or hey, let's have a conversation about what we're really thinking here. You're not an idiot. We just want to help you out. So what do you wish people would have told you when you started this this journey? What what advice do you have for the people that are following you? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, we're still learning some of that stuff. Um you know, have a good plan. You know, we started off, you know, we'd get excited about it, one element of it and just run out and try to do it at a little, you know, one crew or whatever. And it was good to start small, but we didn't have a plan for what's next or how do we continue it. The other thing is, and I think David mentioned this, but when we go, you know, full rollout, having a good communication plan and being able to articulate it very well. And that's with anything you do, right? But if you can't articulate it clearly... It's not going to work. So work on your communication plan, roll out, uh, get your senior management buy-in, understand, so they understand where we're heading. And that's my advice. No, I think it's very, very right. You have to be intentional with what you're going to do. I think if you just kind of wing it and go in. We've been 
you know, I said earlier when I introduced you, we've literally for 18 months now been reading your books and listening to podcasts and going out and talking to anybody we can. And we're just now at a point where at, at our level, we feel comfortable about starting this conversation within our organization. You, you have to be prepared for it and be prepared to start making the plan that's going to be successful. Are you freaked out how much it changes you? I, the one thing about going on this journey is that you can't really go back. Once you once you sort of see the world in a different way, the old way is not very interesting anymore. Um, look, I'm a I started job briefings 20 years ago. I give speeches about them. I am scared to death of change of job briefings because I am that it's that sincere to me that it's from my head to my heart. And I'm telling my buddy how he's not going to die today. But we have evolved so much in that process that we're putting everything on there and there. I've seen them up to five pages, and we're writing books down. And then at the end of that review, and it's not about the piece of paper, right? It's about the conversation. But at the end of that conversation, how much did I remember? And did I put as much emphasis on the energized line or the uh, excavation that we're getting ready to enter as I did the bug bite? I don't know. And, And just narrowing our focus in on that high potential stuff that kills us. We got to work on it. And I'll use that famous capacity word. When we try to talk about everything, we leave us no capacity to talk about the things that are going to kill us on the job. When we talk about the, because we have this five page job brief where we're trying to anticipate and predict anything that could possibly go on through the evolution of this complex job, right? I spend the, the discussion about what's going to kill me is hey, you're going to have the rubber up, right? <laughs> is that enough? Is that, is that the conversation we want about what's going to keep you alive with the work you're going to be doing? It's not what I want people talking about. I want a much more robust discussion. But they don't have room for it. We're, I mean, they gotta, we gotta, our employees got to understand that they're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. When they make mistakes, we're going to have barriers in place so they fail safely. I mean, we keep saying that. But there's that capacity there for a release of energy without anybody getting hurt. And it's a mindset change for them. It's a mindset change for us. And, you know, we've been studying and reading for a while and talking about this, so we're all kind of there. Now it's taking it out. So what do you think? Told you. I totally told you. I set you up for this one. You knew it was going to be deep and meaningful and good. Thank you, Matt. And thank you, David. Thank you for telling the story. But uh, And thanks for being on the podcast for sure. But more importantly, thanks for going out there and doing what you're doing. Um, nine less dead people is always a good metric, as near as I could tell. That's, that's, that's kind of why we do what we do. So that's good. If uh, if this is your first podcast, I'm so glad you're listening. Uh, you're always welcome to listen. There's a million in the archives. Just grab them and start up, man. Uh, subscribe if you haven't. Tell your friends for sure because more is better. Uh, most importantly, learn something new every single day. I bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. <laughs>